Kuhala, and we are just so very thrilled that we have her here in the house of God, and she is accompanied by a host of friends and grandparents and then, of course, mom and dad. And I'd like for Todd to stand, if he would, and Melissa. These uh, precious people moved here from Eau Claire. Alexis was born December 6th, 1994. And Sister Grant has a presentation for Todd and Melissa Puhala. Now, after I dedicate this precious baby this morning, we'll have a receiving line up front, and you'll be able to meet all of the, the people who have come with them. We'd like for all their guests to stand while Sister Grant is pinning the corsage and putting the ear on. All right. Now, I met all these people, but I'm not for sure if I could put them in their proper category. That is, who belongs to who. I know that uh, Alexis, her dress was made by her grandmother, but I'm not for sure which one. All right, okay. Raise your hand. Great, grandmother. All right, okay. All right. <clears throat> Brother Dish, let's see if we can get this portable mic going. And what we will do, we'll let Melissa or Todd introduce all these people. Uh, we want everybody to just relax, and uh, we're not real formal around here. You probably have detected that already. Praise God. <clears throat> Better watch Sister Grant, Todd. She... All right. <clears throat> You want to take the mic down there and give it to Todd or Melissa. They're going to introduce their friends and parents and grandparents. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I, so for some reason, I thought it was going to happen, too. <clears throat> okay, in the front row here, this is my mom and my younger sister, Pam and Tessa. And then the next row back, there's Jim's stepdad, Jim, and his mom, Sue. Sorry. And then my grandpa and grandma, brother and sister Bukals, and then my cousin Simone, Mrs. Todd, and me and Alexis. All right, great. Oh, and then right back here is David Poise and Becky Poise. That's my best friend. <laughs> All right, very good. And remain standing, and we'd like for everyone to stand with them as we go to the book of Jude for our scripture today. <clears throat> this is just uh, kind of a family reunion thing. We, When we dedicate children, we take a whole service, and we have usually have Sunday school in action. It's just worked out that way, so we've had so much attention focused on the kids. This precious little girl, Tiffany, uh, Hughes brought uh, this big uh, heart over to me, and it has on there, Jesus loves you. And she grabbed me and kissed me. And <clears throat> then she was going to say something. She opened her mouth, and the words never came out. It's like she froze. Like, ah. 
she was going to say, Brother Grant, Jesus loves you, but it never came out. From Jude, verse 20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. All right. And you may be seated. And I chose this passage of scripture primarily because of Alexis's middle name, Joy. And the last word that I read was joy, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's a very joyful name, isn't it? <laughs> so, so great. Now, the Bible tells us in verse 20, but beloved, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We know that it is God's desire to edify us or build us up. That's what the scriptures tell us. Now, while we are dedicating or devoting the remaining part of this service to the dedication of this precious daughter, we also have to understand that if God's desire is to build us up or edify us, it's certainly His desire for us to build up each other and edify each other. And this basically will be the the source or the meat of this message this morning. We want to talk about building up each other. Now, there are seven responsibilities or seven points or aspects, maybe I should say, uh, in the writing of Jude. Jude is a very short book, only has one chapter, but it certainly contains a variety of of messages, uh, talks to us about what will happen if uh, we do not live godly. It talks about the motives and the intents of the ungodly. And then, of course, he closes by giving some instructions to those people who are living for God and who want to be saved. Our young people came out, and I they made this presentation. I don't think you in the back could hear. You have a little trouble hearing back there. They didn't pick up the mic. And we keep telling them, make sure you pick up the mic. But they they like to avoid the mic. <clears throat> but uh, I thought it was just so great that uh, Renee put this together, one of the students in the classroom. I think that uh, there is a desire in everybody's heart to be saved. Everybody wants to be saved. And we talk about it, we, uh, we pray about it, some people do even more than that, they live according to the scripture, others kind of back off and they think that through some miraculous mercy or power of God that they will be saved regardless of how they live, because we have no scripture of it being this way. 
Now, the first point that I want to call your attention to, that that the Apostle Paul, uh, or Jude, pardon me, this is a general epistle by Jude, who was one of the apostles, that uh, he calls our attention to, and that is, <clears throat> we should keep the faith. He said, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, we should keep the faith. Now, <clears throat> the word faith, is that it is found here, we normally think about, when we think of faith, we think of you know, having faith in God. But also we use the word faith uh, interchangeably with uh, a particular concept or teaching. Uh, an example of that would be, what faith are you? And then, of course, you would respond by giving your particular denomination. You hear it used that way. But basically, what Jude is saying when he says, keep the faith, he is talking about keep your, keep your trust in those things that you have been taught. Those things that you believe that are correct. In 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verse 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul talks to a young minister by the name of Timothy, and this is what he says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Now, verse 17, the Scripture says, that the man of God may be perfect. Boy, I'll tell you, when you when you say the word perfect, you know, <clears throat> especially when it applies to people, we all kind of perk up. Because I, it, it's hard for me to imagine that anybody can get any better than that. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now we know that perfection that is found in the Bible that is quite often referred to as a requirement for the children of the Lord is only attainable when we keep our faith and integrity in God and we walk according to the scriptures. Basically, uh, it takes the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to take our sins away. And if there isn't a constant application of Christ's blood to our hearts, then we cannot be what he wants us to be. The word justification appears in the Bible. And I have uh, put my own definition to it. Now this definition is certainly a Bible definition, but justification means God made you just as if you had never sinned. That's what God is able to do. So when Jude points this out, when he says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, it's, it's, the word holy is found here. And I, I'm amazed when I uh, made a study of the word holy or holiness as as we see it in the scripture, we, we normally think of holy or holy as being pure or as being undefiled. And I do agree that that is a correct definition. But when you really look it up and do studying according to the context of the scripture, 
you find out that it really means more than that. One Greek definition for holy, it also means complete or wholeness. W-H-O-L-E. So when the Lord says, I come to make you whole, in other words, what he is making reference to that the, the, the holy God is able to make you complete. We are complete in him, the Bible says. Now, <clears throat> to further explain this, I think when you, you know, you look at the Bible, this is called the Holy Bible. And I think it's called the Holy Bible for reason, for a particular reason. It's not just making reference to the fact that that the, the scriptures are pure and undefiled, but they are also complete. And when I see the word holy, it is the one word that describes God in his entirety. In other words, if you consider all the aspects of God, uh, and, and you, you put all of the, all of the character traits of God, peace, love, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, he's kind, he's faithful. If you put them all together, the one word that describes God in his entirety is God is holy. Now, every now and then, someone will stand up and sing a song about a certain character trait, maybe the love of God. Uh, I have heard many songs concerning the love of God. They're always great. They're always beautiful. And then we talk about God being long-suffering. And, and then we talk about God being kind and about God being gentle and God being faithful. But when you consider all the fractions and, and, and you summarize God in His completeness or His entirety, you find the one word that describes God completely, and that is God is holy. And that's what He is. Now, the reason why this is called the most holy faith is because it is making reference to uh, a complete faith that we have in God. Something that is that that encompasses not just a particular part of us, but, but all of us. So the word holiness appears in the Bible. Holiness usually is making reference to God as he touches humanity. So the Holy God touches me. So all of God touches all of me. I am made up of body, soul, and spirit. So when the Holy God, all of God, touches me, this is where holiness, uh, this is the way that holiness is described in the Bible. So all of God touches all of me. We have a habit as human beings of picking through the things we like, and discarding the things we don't like. Uh, you will find somebody, some people have that particular uh, <clears throat> characteristic when they, they go to the table. I've seen people, you know, they take a salad and they pick through. They had more things on the side than they had uh, <clears throat> that they considered to be edible. I've seen others uh, uh, open their hamburgers and they'd pull out this and pull out that. And I've seen others, you know, they'd take a dish and they'd, Pick out all the mushrooms or something, you know, and put them all over to one side. We, we kind of have that habit also in our service to God. We like to pick through the things that are appealing to us, those things that, 
that seemingly strike our fancy, so to speak. We want that part of God. You know, there are certain parts of God that you like, and there are certain parts you don't like. And uh, I don't know how long that uh, Todd and Melissa have been married, but uh, I, I do know this, that... Uh, uh, when, when I was married, first married, I thought that uh, my wife could do no wrong. And uh, she thought I could do no wrong. And I remember the first fight, so to speak, that we had after we were married. Uh, she made one uh, real mistake, and that was uh, she came down to my house on a Sunday afternoon, and I was ironing my blue jeans. Now, that's before they had wash and wear type you know, back then it was just cotton, and when things came out of the, they were just all wrinkled up, you know. And My mother would starch those things, and, she, you know, you use this Niagara starch, and, you know, you put it in water, and it boils and whatever, and then you pull off this skim, you dip it in there, and you, you know, you know all about that stuff. And then, 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 <clears throat> in order to, uh, to iron them, then you had to, Sprinkle them down. You had these bottles. Some of the, some people use the big Coke bottles, and others ketchup bottles and things. You know, holes in the top. And you sprinkle them down. You'd wad them all up and leave them there for an hour or two. And and of course the water kind of saturated and it was kind of even. And so I had really done this up nice, and I'm ironing my jeans. Now, Sister Grant came in there and took the jeans out of my hand and said, "I'm going to iron these for you." <clears throat> I thought it was a good idea. So, <clears throat> while I was sitting on the edge of the bed and she was ironing, she said, now one thing for sure, when we get married, you will never have to iron a pair of jeans again. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, I thought that's what she meant. You know, and that's what she said. <laughs> so, <laughs> wherever Sister Granny is, lock the door and keep her in the room. Pray to... But you know what happened after we'd been married for a while? Uh, I got up one morning and I started to uh, put on clean clothes to go to work and I didn't have any. She was sick in bed. And uh, I should have been more compassionate, but unfortunately I, I, I wasn't. So all I did was I just walked in the bedroom and, and I said, where are my clean uh, clothes? And she said, uh, you know, I've been sick. And I said, yeah, but you shouldn't let these clothes get so low. You know, <laughs> in other words, what I was saying is that you had plenty of time to do this before you got sick. <clears throat> so, Sister Grant, go back in the nursery. <laughs> Close the door, hon. Turn off the sound in there. Let me finish my story now. But you know what? <clears throat> you know what happened was. Uh, now, all I said was. I said, <laughs> I was only teasing her, but she actually went back in there and closed the door. <clears throat> By the way, I do feel a little more comfortable this way. But all I said was, I said, but hon, you told me that when we got married, I would never have to iron my pants again. And then I said, I suppose... <clears throat> I don't even want to tell this. I said, I, I suppose you were not the person I thought you were. I didn't really mean to say that. 
Did you know what? Now, I know the Lord heals. But I don't think it was God this time. She jumped straight up in the bed and, and, and she was instantly healed, just like this. Fire came to her eyes. And she looked at me and she says, And I have you to know that you're not the man I thought you were either. We had our first fight. I mean, not a slugfest or anything like that. But uh, sparks were flying. At any rate, it spoiled my day and spoiled her day. But you see, the thing about it is, little did I know when I got married... When I married Leona Darlene Smith, that I got everything about her I liked, but I also got everything I didn't like. <laughs> and that's what you do in marriage. And you know, <clears throat> your relationship with God is that way. See, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you get everything about God that you like, but you also get everything you don't like. And there are certain things about God that, uh, well, put it this way, I don't want to say I don't like. But there are certain things I like better than other things. I like His mercy. I like His ability to forgive. I like His tender care and hand. The things I like about God are usually the things that are lacking in my own life. <laughs> I sure like that. But we got all of God... Now, <clears throat> there is one thing that Jude calls our attention to that enables us to keep the most holy faith. And this is the second point of this message. He says, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying with the divine enablement of the Holy Ghost. Now, I've been teaching on spiritual gifts and and speaking with unknown tongues and, and such, and I do believe that uh, this scripture could be making reference to that. But basically, today, what I want to talk about is pray in the Spirit. In other words, get alone with God. In order to fully understand God, you have to see life from God's point of view. In other words, sometimes just going around to a different angle gives you a different perspective of things. Uh, <clears throat> I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Sister Grant and I have some horses. We like to horseback ride. So we take our horses up to, to camp when we go up and work. We put in a pretty good full day of work, and, and then we go out and ride the horses. We always rode one direction, one direction. I decided that we would, after you know we'd ridden that direction, same direction for about 10 years, why don't we go back the opposite direction? You're just going the wrong, you know, the, the the opposite way. And, you know, when we got on the trails, I was amazed when we when we just rode the other way how differently things appeared. It was like we were on a different trail. Sister Grant made this reference. We stopped there, taking a little break. She said, you know, this is quite exciting. It's like we've never done this before. We've been riding over this trail. We just changed directions. You know, sometimes just a different look at things. A different perspective would, would just would just cast an entirely different shadow on things, and this is what happens in life. 
Now, Todd and Melissa have started their life together, and now they have this precious child. And I don't know how many children they're planning on having. Probably half a dozen or more. But <laughs> but I know this, that, you know, your, your first child, you think, well, we have a family. And then you get two and you think, well, this is a family. And then you get three and you say, wow, what a family. <clears throat> and And there are some situations in family life that, pretty much makes you want to pull your hair out at times. It's, oh, my. Just about the time you want to do something, the child decides that that uh, he or she won't cooperate. We had to hold up the introduction this morning. For that very reason, <clears throat> children seem to not uh, uh, be concerned about whether they're holding up things or not. They seem to care less. You're all set and you're ready to roll. And I said all that to say this. We need that comforting touch of God. God seems to bring life into its proper focus, into its proper perspective. Get alone with God. Get lost with God. You, you need that. This is the reason why that I, I tell people start every day in prayer. I mean, how could you start your day without praying? There's so many hair-pulling, hair-raising experiences. Just to get along with God, this is so very, very important and valuable. And God should be your best friend. Your whole life, your home, everything should be built around God. If you put God first, you will love each other more. You can love others more. The children sung about that, didn't they? It is amazing how that when God is number one in your life. And I've told husbands this. I said, did you know if you would allow your wife to put God as number one, she could love you more and you'd be a better wife or she'd be a better wife. And this is also true uh, of the wives. If, if you'd encourage your husband to put God as number one, he'd be a better husband and he'd be able to love you more. Why? Because all of life was designed to be contingent upon God. In Him we live and we breathe and, and we move and we have our being. And God is the source of our life. Now, we move on in this. Verse 21, He says, Keep yourself in the love of God. I, I like this. Keep yourself in the love of God. You know, the Bible says, Vengeance belongeth to me, saith the Lord. The first thing that you need to do when you start out walking for God is to learn how to appropriate a blessing. In other words, live in such a fashion that you do not invoke any curse of God upon your life. You've got to understand one thing about God, that He does run the universe by principles, not necessarily by feelings. You know, people, in order to be ethical, you have to run your life by principles, not by feelings. You know that, don't you? And there are going to be times in which Alexis Joy will need to be disciplined. And she's going to crawl up in Todd's arms and she's going to flash those big eyes and she's going to start crying. And he's going to say, oh, I can't. 
I can't, you know, just let her have her way. No. But there are going to be times in which he and Melissa will agree and say, no, she gets her way too much. And this will be good for her. And I think this is true of all of us, that God, because he is our Heavenly Father, that sometimes he brings some things to us that are not so pleasurable. And he does so because of some irrational behavior on our part. Sometimes you have to suffer the consequences. But what Jude is saying, keep yourself in the love of God. In other words, in the divine favor of God. Live in such a way that there's always harmony and peace with you and God. Now the Bible tells us in Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So even though the love of God is always in our hearts, it does not mean that His expression of satisfaction according to our actions you know, is there. And then, of course, keep loving Him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I think the secret to keeping yourself in the love of God is to keep a good loving relationship with Him. Now, <clears throat> the next thing that we want to call your attention to, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, <clears throat> I looked up another translation, and it went like this. Look for ways to extend His mercy. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that there was one time that God would have slain all of Israel because of their infidelity to Him and their idolatry. But the Bible says, But God remembered that they were but flesh. Now, while I did talk about God and His ability to, to look beyond particular feelings and run the universe by principles, we must also understand that mercy is the withholding of judgment. Something could have or perhaps should have occurred. But because of our attitude toward God, God stayed or held back judgment. That's what mercy is. Do you think God never changes his mind about things? Well, I can prove according to Scripture that He does. The soul that sinneth shall surely die, and every person that sits in this building today filled with God's Holy Spirit. If you're filled with God's Holy Spirit, you are an exception to the original rule. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. But when Jesus came upon the scene, guess what He said? He said, except a man be born again. See, He made an exception to the original rule. And while it is true that we want to keep ourselves in the love of God, that we rub shoulders with people, and God by nature takes action when action is needed. But on the other hand, when there is a repentant heart, God is quick to show mercy. And we 
having that same characteristic because he lives inside of our hearts, we should be people of mercy. Wasn't it Jesus that said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy? And if you if you ever reach the point that you feel that every wrongdoing in the world needs to be corrected and punished, even at even when people are are repenting, you are certainly missing out on one important aspect of God. And I will assure you, if that's your attitude, God will send somebody your way when you're in trouble that does not show mercy. You see, God is the giver of life and the keeper of life. So looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, in raising children, I don't know. First, just let me say before I go on and make the other statement I plan on saying, that this is perhaps the greatest challenge that will ever come your way. Uh, I have heard people say that girls are easier to raise than boys, and then I've had parents that have had both that said, no, that's not true, that the boys are easier than the girls. Now, if I had to guess which one, well, let's let's don't get into that, but no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You know I was going to guess the girls. The girls were the easiest to raise. I had three boys. And um, I found this out. That sometimes they cry tears over their behavior, not because they're repentant, but because they were caught. <laughs> it had nothing to do with their, their wanting to, <laughs> to be forgiven. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. The truth of the matter is that they all have different personalities. You may have one son that uh, uh, he may have tenacity, he may have perseverance, but he may be a little bit more, uh, what should I say, a little more passive about certain things. You may have a daughter that's strong-willed, or it could be the other way around. Everybody has their own personality. And there's no set of plans on how to deal There's just no set of plan, no rules. But that you 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 have to you have to pass righteous judgment on so many things, and that uh, makes parenting most difficult. You just have to look at it and say, "No, she needs to learn a lesson because she did not." But if she comes and repents, and I'm sorry, Dad, or I'm sorry, Mom. And, and children sometimes, they find out right away how they can get out of trouble. But isn't it true that that's how all of us got out of trouble with God? <clears throat> we learn right away that when we make mistakes, we just say, God, please forgive me. And then verse 22, and some have compassion making a difference. Now we talked about love, we talked about mercy. Compassion. I want to use this, maybe a little out of context, because I, I certainly don't want to sound redundant. And sometimes in the Scripture, things are uh, repetitive solely because that the message must get across to us. 
But when I think of compassion, I, and I normally think of people who are not all the faith that we need to have compassion for. So I want to I want to turn my attention to that. We need to show concern for those outside of our own household. We need to let our children know that it is the right thing for us to do nice things for other people, to share. And our children need to know that there is a chunk of our life that does not belong exclusively to this family. But there is a chunk of our life that belongs to others. I teach a, a lesson in Christian stewardship. And I talk, I talk from Leviticus 19. And I talk about the unreaped corners of the field. And <clears throat> when the Israeli people plowed their fields, they plowed it from fence line to fence line, so to speak. I know they didn't have up fences, but they did have uh, markers, and they, 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 they plowed right up tight to the corners. In other words, they cultivated every inch of the ground. But when they went out to reap the fields, they could not reap the corners. In other words, they had to leave a radius in the corners. And after they had harvested the crops... They could not go back and glean the fields. In other words, if you left a potato or whatever out in the field, and you saw it later, leave it there. The Bible says, because this belongs to the poor and to the stranger. And when Jesus asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? <clears throat> the, the, the rich lawyer the lawyer, pardon me, said, that is to love God with all your heart. And he said, that's true, but the second is locking the first, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. And in Leviticus 19, this is the place that Moses, Moses explains what loving your neighbor as yourself is. He said, when you reap your fields, don't go into the corners and don't glean the field because... That belongs to the poor and the stranger. Basically, what the law of Moses was saying is that there's even a part of your income that you need to understand should never be spent by you, but it should be spent on others. We talked about Alexis Joy, her middle name being Joy. And I remember in the Sunday school class years ago, the Sunday school teacher said Joy, J-O-Y. And you know what that means? J is for Jesus. O is for others. And Y is for you. And if you can learn to live your life in that order, Jesus first, others second, and you last, You'll always have joy. All right. And some have compassion making a difference. And others say with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. And I think we need to, need to, we need to allow our children to, to develop the, the concept that, that while it is necessary for them to be saved, that there are other people out there with corrupt minds and corrupt lives that need to come into this great, family of God but while we're saving them sometimes we have to hold some of them at arm's length because of their sin or because of their iniquity
Galatians 6, 1, the Apostle Paul tells us that when someone has sinned, he said, He that is spiritual restores such a one, lest he fall into the same temptation. And sometimes we think, well, we'll send somebody that had the same problem to this person, and maybe they'll be able to help them because they'll be able to understand. And <clears throat> that's not necessarily true. Because sometimes you can listen to the story of sinners to the point that you get caught up in what they're involved in. And so it is always with due respect to the principles of life and to God that we work with people that are not of this household of faith. And then we look at the last part of this, and that is, keep yourselves pure. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and present yourself faultless. Keep yourself pure. This is just so, so important. How do we keep ourselves pure? The Bible, we back up to verse 23, the Bible says, Hating even the garment spotted with the flesh. That sin should become detestable. We reach a point in which it's repulsive. This is the reason why there's such an issue now in the States about television programming, all the violence. Because we've kind of created a, what should I say, a society of children that like to sit around and laugh about everybody getting shot and killed and this type thing. And and some of the program is so explicit. You know, just really gory. And I I have known of Christian children that were so innocent that hardly knew anything about the world. And, and I have talked with parents and I said, Well the problem was that my child was so innocent. Well, the truth of the matter is the Scripture tells us. Paul says, I would that you be simple concerning the things of the world. Simple there means ignorant. It's better that you don't know certain things. And you know, <clears throat> basically, for Todd and Melissa, it is your responsibility to create a refuge, a place of safety. A house of peace for your precious child. Now, what is dedication all about? It is simply bringing the child to God and saying, We recognize your authority over us. And we also understand that the scripture says that this child was given to us, but we are only stewards. That simply means God put Alexis Joy in your life for you to watch over but you should never never transgress this understanding this child like everybody else in the world belongs to God and we should always treat her as God's property and if we do that We will not go wrong. I'd like for you to stand.
I have always been of the opinion, I say always, I haven't always, but for many years now I've been of the opinion that even little children can feel the presence of God and that God speaks to them. Titus 2, verse 11. Paul tells Titus, another minister of the gospel, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. The word grace has two meanings, unmerited favor and the divine leading of the heart. And the Bible is saying that the inner voice of God speaks to all people. Many of you, a long time before you became old enough to know, God was speaking to you. And later on, when you became aware of it, it made his voice so very precious to you. Because it's the same voice that you have been hearing all of your life. I notice this about little children before they can talk. You know, they, they'll clap their hands in worship. They'll even lift their hands. I see some of them laying out half asleep and they turn over and they just begin to clap sometimes right with the music. You know, I can't even hardly do that. <laughs> but they, they do it. And I think, God, is it possible that, that your voice speaking inwardly starts leading us and guiding us as a little child? Oh, yes. Samuel, who was dedicated to God, heard the oral, vocal voice of God before he even knew anything about God. It was pointed out by Eli, the high priest. Samuel, the next time you hear that voice... Just stay in your bedchamber, but say, Speak, my Lord, for thy servant hearest. And we'd like for Todd and Melissa to come if they would and bring Alexis Joy to the altar. And if you'll just stand right here in front and face me. And then we'd like for Todd's parents to come. Has the ability, whether we agree or not, to do what he wants to do. But these parents have come saying, Lord, I accept your authority. And therefore, we dedicate this child. And I would like for you, Todd, if you would. Isn't this gorgeous? (laughs) And now, O Heavenly Father, would all of you pray with me? We come into your presence, Lord, with this precious child, Alexis Joy. Dear Lord, we lift her up to you and we're asking, oh God, right now that your Holy Spirit crown her life. That the inner voice of God that speaks to us from birth would become magnified in her life and in her heart. That soon, Lord Jesus, she will be aware that it is God that's speaking to her and that it is God that's calling her. And Lord Jesus... In the presence of all the saints of God, the family members, all the holy angels that are encamped around and about this place. And Lord, in your presence, we lift her up and we dedicate her to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Now I want to return her back to her father. And what I want you to do, we're going to pray again because we're going to dedicate Todd and Melissa. And we want the family members, each one, if they would, to just reach out to the one in front, put their hand on their shoulder until we get down to this couple. This is so important that our ministers, elders, and their wives reach out to the family members. Now, Lord Jesus, first to this mom, we pray, Lord, crown her with divine favor, with wisdom from on high, to be the mother that you want her to be for this child. And then, Lord Jesus, we lay hands upon Todd, and we pray right now that the glory of Almighty God would come. Stretch forth your hand, O Lord, I pray. Move upon him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord Jesus, you're able, God, you are. And I pray right now, Lord, we dedicate this couple to you to be used in your service. Now, Lord Jesus, until that great day that we all enter into eternal life, we pray, God, that you would remember this moment and keep your hand upon us. For we're all working for your cause. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. And we want our praise singers to come. And all the family members, you can take a few moments of your time to greet each other. And then we're going to form a receiving line. We'll just have Todd and Melissa out here in the front and the rest of you around this way. We want everybody to come in the center aisle, come around, shake hands with them and greet them. Acquaint yourself with them. God bless you so much. God bless you. God bless you. All right, God bless. All right, just just stand right there. There we go. All right. All right, all of you come. Just get right in line and come and greet them. And we want to welcome them to our assembly here in Madison. Most of you have not met them. Isn't God good? Praise God. All right, go ahead. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion. Jesus Yeah.